0: Hey there, you're listening to What The Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're gonna riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What The Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency
1: that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What The Riff? A plane carrying the presidents of Rwanda and Burundi is shot down by a surface-to-air missile, abruptly ending peace negotiations, and sparking the Rwandan genocide. Serbian army bombs a hospital in Bosnia, killing 47, and a Palestinian suicide bomber kills seven Israelis and himself. This is April of 1994, and this is What the Riff. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm Brian. And what do we have here, Mr. Rowan?
2: Yes, we have, my friends, the second album from the group, Hole. Fronted by Courtney Love, you guys uh, remember who she is or who she was?
3: The ex-wife, the widow, I should say, of Kurt Cobain.
2: That's correct. Alpatelli committed suicide in 1994. The same month, one week before this album came out, called "Live Through This." Wow! That's prophetic. Yeah, we'll get more onto this and the the whole time frame in her relationship. But this song is called Violet, and it was inspired by her relationship with Billy Corgan of The Smashing Smashing Pumpkins. Pumpkins. That's right. This was before The Smashing Pumpkins got really popular, but I guess she had a thing uh, with rock musicians. Bad Boys. Uh, Yeah, Bad Boys are rock musicians because this was before she dated um, Corbin. Uh, she had broken up with uh, Billy and wrote, you know, this is one of the songs about this. Uh, I remember But this. she wouldn't deal with it. And she surprised him at a gig in Chicago and showed up unannounced and everything. And he had a girlfriend at the time. And, you know, and she had her, I guess, balances with drugs at the time. And so she left and went to a concert by Nirvana, mm. and she got so radical she actually wrestled with Kurt Cobain. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, so um, she sent him a, a box of, of chocolates and stuff, a heart-shaped that had all this stuff in it, and started the relationship. Up. So um, she was obviously a little nuts, you know. Um, this song, she says, is a song about a jerk. I hex him, and now he's losing his hair. If you look at Billy at the time when she was dating him, he uh-huh. did have kind of long locks. You remember what he looked like when he was, yes, you know, in the in the later.
1: So she really did. Of... This is a true story. Yeah, she really did hex him and make him lose his hair.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you. This is basically about someone who had a short-term relationship that took it a little too seriously. I mean, you know, when they get what they want, they never want it again. So, it, it, it's probably one of those things. He, you know, it was friends with benefits on his end, but she was a little bit more emotionally involved. So I'm yeah. assuming
1: he did not have a pet rabbit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, really. End up being stewed. Listen stew. to that. <laughs> I mean,
0: she's she's got to be one of the hardest rockers. I mean, like. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah,
1: it's a heavy sound, isn't it? I mean, big time.
2: Well, she. She got that i mean she you know had a tough life and we'll get into that but she found the runaways patty smith and the pretenders at 16 and she wanted to be a rock and roll star she was interested in in doing that she was actually a trust fund kid but she was spending all her money on drugs and she actually turned to stripping and uh most and, and you'll find out you know for Twenty years, she was on and off the wagon of different drugs, heroin being the main one. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some reason, she meth, cocaine, whatever else, but she was in them. We're moving on to the next song. It's called "Miss World," and there's some controversy that they thought that Kurt Cobain wrote a lot of these songs, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I don't think Kurt Cobain could told, tell somebody to go take everything, you know, or right. talk about being Miss World is this name of the thing. And basically, it, it's, it's... Well, he could write,
0: Somebody Kill Me. Somebody yeah. Kill Me. Yeah, I
1: can see that being Kurt Cobain.
2: But, I mean, it, it's, it's about someone who's kind of drawn, drowning in depression and that, you know, things are falling apart, but no one can see it. You're Miss World. You're up there on stage. Everybody just sees this woman who's really perfect and loved by everybody but you know that person is empty inside and sad and it you know a lot of women have that that self-image problems and you know and sometimes they you know when you add substance abuse it kind of comes into this type of song you know i'm the girl you know so sick i cannot try i'm the one you want but i can't look you in the eye. so you know i mean that's yeah. this
1: is the thing that i liked about grunge is the uplifting song lyrics <laughs> very inspiring? Really. It really, it really <laughs> brings you out of a sad place, doesn't it? Yes, it does.
2: But believe it or not, this has an Atlanta connection. It was recorded here. Oh about yeah, a lot of about half this album was recorded here. This is one of the songs that were recorded on that. No. But I talked about her uh, having a tough childhood. Uh, I was watching Behind the Music. They had a a doc about Courtney Love. Mm -hmm. And it was really, she had an awful upbringing. Courtney Love is not her original name. uh, And I just, you know, she wants to be called Courtney Love. We're not going to go bring up what her original name was. But her parents were hippies in San Francisco during the time of all the hippie stuff. So much so that she's actually on the back cover of her Grateful Dead album. Oh, really? That's how she's hanging out with these guys. Her dad was like a park manager, but they split up when she was real young. And her mom remarried and then got a divorce again. And her mom decided to move to New Zealand, but left her at home. Oh. And she had to live with relatives. That'll mess you up. And then, um, yeah, exactly. And her stepfather, who she says nothing but nice things about, You know, brought her in, but the problem is he was already remarried, and you know, like you said, it's causing problems because she was mentally just not there. Mm -hmm. And with those problems, she ended up. uh, The wife said, "It's either her or me," and Mm -hmm. and it ended up she he wanted to stay married. So, unfortunately, uh, Courtney had to go and become a foster child and she was abused while she'd being a foster child and things of that sort so wow. i mean oh, wait a
1: second though i thought she said she was like a, a trust, fund, trust baby. fund baby she
2: had a trust fund but this was before she had the money okay she was still in her teen, not even in her teens yet mm-hmm. she was bouncing around like 12 years old bouncing all these places she became very rebellious she was a wild child just vulgar angry self-destructive very impulsive mm-hmm. but it wasn't until she was 18 when she was able to a- access the trust fund money. Okay. so it was one of those things I, I, you know it's all legally I'm just
1: surprised that she would have a trust fund based on the description of the parents it doesn't sound like well it's
2: the grandparents trust fund mm-hmm. oh, so it was one gotcha. of those things so
3: this song is called asking for it yeah is there any significance of this song
2: yeah, um, she. This is a song about another <laughs> fun thing—rape. Mm-hmm. But uh, she uh, she talks about a time when she was she would early on in in her group she would stage dive, um, and she just she felt you know she had her dress torn torn off of her, her underwear was being torn off, and you know she felt. She pulls fingers, you know, just penetrating her. So uh, grabbing her breasts, you know, and people took pictures of this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it got publicized. And she had, you know, she was messed up on drugs. She's smiling. But, you know, this whole experience, you know, was when you reflect back on it, it's like, you know, was I asking for it, Mm -hmm. you know? and, And, you know, it just, she just kind of thought she was raped by the audience. And so every time I sell myself to you, I feel a little cheaper I, than I need to. So, and I sort of—I mean, she—you can kind of tell through her life. She's having issues with 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 relationships, with with people, with with drugs, and things of that sort.
3: You know, it's interesting. We uh, we talk about the Atlanta connection. I can still vividly remember listening to the '96 Rock one morning when Christopher Rude was the morning host, right. Right? and he talked about it one time. He was at the Atlanta airport, and he was sitting there. and Courtney Love comes up with her little girl, so they strike up a conversation. And Christopher Rude never mentions who you know anything personal because they're just talking,
1: you know, talking general yeah. things.
3: And then Christopher. Uh, asked her about her daughter, and she, you know, she basically got ticked off and walked away with her daughter because he was getting a little too personal.
0: Right. Yeah.
3: So he, I just remember how everything was fine until I asked her a personal question about her daughter, and then she took off.
2: Now, interesting thing is, she's been an actress before she was with Hole and afterwards she was in Sid and Nancy you know the Sid Vicious the, yes. the the movie about them and then she was in a really bad movie called Straight to Hell uh, that ended up going nowhere and then she it went straight the band to The Hole yeah. and then after Hole <laughs> after, after she went to uh, the People vs. Larry Flint and Man on the Moon and she actually ended up dating Ed Norton for a while the actor mm-hmm. so it was interesting but they uh, formed whole in 1989. Um, th- their first album was in 1991. It's a little bit more punk and a little bit more dark. <laughs> it's called Pretty Inside. A little more dark. <laughs> a little more dark, Oh,
1: yeah. okay. I remember this one.
2: Yeah, this is probably I mean, the main song, Doll Parts."
0: She had a really nice voice, yeah. and a very distinctive voice, but then she spent a lot of it just yelling out of just... <laughs> frustration yeah. and anger. Well, I
2: saw Hole at Lollapalooza in 1995, and she was a maniac. I mean, she cussed, she showed her breast on stage, you know, and she was very angry towards God. And just, just guys all over the place. She just, you know, you know, calling people mfers and things like that. So she still kind of had that angst. Of course, this is, you know, a year later after Kurt Cobain died. So she still was still on the drugs and things of that sort. Uh, we've talked about there were some some video out there you know with Madonna and then on on a, a roast with, with uh, Pamela Anderson that we saw that was just you know she was just completely trashed uh, but she sobered up when she, was pre- when she was pregnant and she actually during this time she actually told Kurt Cobain sober up or I'm leaving you and she went to rehab he went to rehab and then he jumped the fence and actually ended up committing suicide a couple of days later so you know it, it just it, you, she just had a lot of heart mm-hmm. she was considered the grunge John and Oko is what they called them but this song right here is more of her insecurity with you know Kurt Cobain yep. basically and I love him so much you know it turns into hate you know I make it so real I'm beyond fake and someday you'll ache like I ache. It's like, mm. oh my goodness, that kind of prophetic. She's wrote that before he died. Yeah. You know, I, I mean.
3: Well, he always had, though, in his in his life. Kurt Cobain had a lot of suicidal tendencies, so I'm sure she had to deal with that in his depression as well as his drug abuse. Yeah.
2: So She commented on his drug abuse. He just wanted to get wasted and just, just disappear. And she just wanted because to kind of make the pain go away. Mm-hmm. She, that's what her drug use was. And they had nannies and all this sort of stuff. It was. It was I, they basically took care of the, the baby. And it was a baby at the time Kurt Cobain died. And I do have one interesting fact believe it or not, she was the lead singer for the group Faith No More before really? they became popular. Wow. So this that was one thing that was interesting. Once again, she was she's not she's, she was born in '64, so she's our age. Yep. So nice. she's she's through all that whole time. I mean, you can imagine in the '80s is when she's starting to hit the drugs real hard. I mean, it's like 16, 17 years old doing heroin, doing cocaine, doing things like that. So I mean, tough life. I really hope she has her life together. I assume it has. We haven't heard anything more from her. They've had more albums out, so you know, go out and listen to those, but this one really has some angst to it. Yeah, and A little she, was bit. Fight,
0: she fought for it all, didn't she? Yeah. Mm. Well, thanks for bringing us that way. Now we're going to flip over to our entertainment track, brought to us by Right Column Space Financial.
1: Ghost. Space Ghosts. Yeah, that sounds more 60s to me. Why aren't we playing that in 94? <laughs> well, so they
0: resurrected it, and it was actually a show called Space Ghost Coast to Coast.
1: Oh, yeah. That was actually pretty funny.
2: Yeah, they did ironic takes on, yes. on life and comedy. and. I, guess I,
1: was, I was a big fan of Brack.
0: The cartoon. So Space Ghost... Voice was a voiceover artist that lived in Atlanta.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember him he was on the on the radio quite a bit.
0: Yep, you could hear him on on the radio. You could, hear, I think he was on probably 96 Rock as a guest from time to time. But he was in a lot of commercials too. Hmm. I actually used him for a commercial at one point. Okay. A while back.
2: Well, that was television of April 1994. Also. Asteroid 7373 Takai was discovered and named after Star Trek actor George Takai. Oh. Oh, my. After... (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I like that. That was good. That was good. After 15 years, Charles Kowalt, host of CBS Monday Morning, hosted it for the last time. His successor is Charles Osgood. Both, I think, did a great job of that. And Dennis Miller Live starts a weekly talk show host on HBO. They did over 215 episodes. I was kind of surprised at that. Yeah. Now so we're going to move on to staff picks. And our first staff pick is coming to us from Brian. Kind of the
3: Atlanta connection we've kind of covered, you know, so far. But this is we're going to continue that with this song.
1: This This is is more grunge.
3: (laughs) This is called The Player's Ball from Atlanta's own Outcast. Oh, wow. And this is from the album. I'm going to try to pronounce it right. Southern Playalistic Cadillac (laughs) Music. All right. (laughs) All one word. No, I'm not going to repeat it. So this is what they called Southern rap there is such a thing (laughs) but it it is I thought all rap was southern (laughs) this is called basically A a Face Family Christmas it was was originally released in December of 93 so the song itself discusses the nature of living in the south and growing up within a hip hop culture like I said they're all from Atlanta this song in the video was produced by P. Diddy
0: huh
2: so where he started making his big
0: bucks absolutely Is this players ball or players ball
3: players <laughs> spelt players <laughs> now you, you mentioned play ball there was an episode of remember the show Martin from Martin Lawrence oh yeah, yeah. there was a show called the play mm. ball yes. and they performed when the credits were rolling at the end of the of the, of the of the episode. Huh. Uh, I have not seen the, uh, the episode, but I understand that... You know, they got credit there at the end and, of course, got to perform it in front of the cast and the
0: crew and the stars for that particular episode. So do we know enough about what they're saying that we know that this is still a uh, podcast? It doesn't have any um, explicit lyrics, explicit lyrics. Or do we know? It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't we have an so E fast. next to
2: it, so I guess it's not explicit. <laughs> I was looking. I, first thing I looked, I like, OK, <laughs> This is to check off the,
3: that. Yeah, this is off the, 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 like Never I said, the song, the, uh, the Southern Playalistic Cadillac music was their debut. Mm. And it peaked at number thirty-seven on the Billboard Top One Hundred. So, as we all know, Outcast later on came out with some of my favorites. Hey, uh, remember that one? That yeah, good yeah. And um, roses. Remember the song Roses? Mm-hmm. Wayne doesn't know it, but it
2: appears, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, I never got into rap. I mean, there was a few know, songs, Tone yeah. Loc. Some of those this, the, are all the right. The thing
1: is, Outkast, there there was a different quality about them. Absolutely, you know? like it, when you're listening to this, so you've got the rap, but you've also got that R and B underneath yep. yes. it. and if you if you you can hear kind of the the record sound, the sound of the the the, the, the skips and pops, pops that you yeah. get on the record, which is obviously deliberately, you know, deliberate. But it's just a different feel. You,
3: you that guy right there that's Andre or Andre Benjamin mm-hmm. you know of course so you had Andre Benjamin Patrick Brown Ray Murray Antoine Patton and Rico Wade and these guys like i said this is the the intro or, you know into the mainstream but once they hit the mainstream with hey uh and just exploded and roses i mean as a matter of fact just recently on vacation my children played Roses And the party started I mean It was just (laughs) just a really fun
0: song To listen to But um, No they were huge And so This is a female Singing here I I, I wasn't I didn't think about Outkast having a female member But
2: Well I do know This is their debut album So this is the first start Of of Outkast going on
3: but it got into the right hands, obviously, and it hit the right chords because, as I said, they, their, their music just took off. It's hard to April of 94, though, when it, yeah, it yeah. came out.
1: Yeah. Wow. There you go.
2: All right. They just we're went right it back into, up now. Right
0: into it. This pick. And whose pick is
2: this? It was mine! <laughs> All right. We, we did have that a little Wayne.
1: competition. Yes, Wayne and I had to thumb wrestle over this one. And I will say, when I picked this and I thought, this, I'm channeling my inner Wayne doing this. <laughs> so this is Primal Scream Rocks. And uh, it's off of their fourth album, Give Out But Don't Give Up. Primal Scream is a Scottish rock band. Formed by Bobby Gillespie and Jim Beatty. and this album marks a real shift for them. They were originally more of a psychedelic kind of uh, sound. You and mean that
2: Manchester sound that I like to bring a little to the, bit to Manchester?
1: This is more. This is a little further north from Manchester. Yeah, this they, is the Glasgow were, sound. Yeah, they were more.
2: <laughs> they were more ra- ra- rave, and and just that alternative dance music. Yeah. yeah. This
0: is another song.
2: Got the same hit. Yeah. Uh, what? Yep. what it, who's not
3: Saturday Night by the Bay City Rollers now, is it? It's it taking sounds, care of business. Taking
1: care of business. There you go. got the. That's the. Yeah. the I mean, beat. That's yeah. Yeah. So this is a. Um. Th- they shifted from that psychedelic kind of uh, Manchester sound to more classic rock and blues, and, mm-hmm. and there's several different groups in '94 that do a throwback. Mm-hmm. You'll You'll see that as we you know cover '94 a little bit more. Uh, this song they were considered dance traders for uh, for releasing this one dance Traders? dance Traitors. yeah they oh. sort
2: of went to a kind of a classic rock feel, sort of yeah. southern yeah. rock You remember what the cover was
1: yeah it was a uh, it was a, a uh, the, the battlefly the
2: Confederate battlefly yeah it was the stars and bars so yeah that was interesting that was on the cover so yeah. they're trying to be Southern rock a little bit this is a fun song. Like what, I said, I tried. I tried to do this too, but what unfortunately, was, it was taken up by somebody else. <laughs> was the
0: Union Jack? Wasn't the Union Jack from from, uh, the, from England? Uh, Didn't it have some? Uh, oh, it they, might have. They picked it, up yeah, on some of that it, for it could, yeah, the have Confederate St. James Cross, yeah. or, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: possible. Um, the 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 group itself is. Um, it, I mean, they're they're Scottish, so it's, they don't really have any connection to Southern mm-hmm. rock, but. You you definitely get that feel, and the whole idea of this song is it's more of you know things are just going to be the way that they are, and there's nothing we can do about that. So we're just going to
2: have a good time. Top hits of April 1994: Bump and Grind. Art oh, Kelly was on that one. The Sign, Ace of Base. Oh yeah. It,
3: they wore that one out, didn't they? Without
2: yeah. you, all right, Carrie. I don't know how to pronounce this, but I think it was mmm, mm, mm, mm. Yeah,
1: Rob covered that yeah. a while back.
2: <laughs> Crash Test Dummies. And the Power of Love, <laughs> Ceylon Dion. I'm sorry. Those are, so I mean, except it. for the Dummies, I, I didn't like any of those. <laughs> that's why I have more alternative rock at the time.
1: I will mention on this, this the single was a double A side with another song called Funky Jam. That's, that's a lot of fun. Worth listening to. Yeah, worth listening to. We'll
2: check it out. We're going to move to Rob now for his staff pick. What you got, Rob? We're
0: going back to a little alternative feel here.
2: Oh, I know this one.
0: This is the guitar. guitar. The fourth single from the second album by the Gin Blossoms.
1: We didn't already cover this one. I was wondering, have we covered the Gin Blossoms yet?
0: We have not covered the Gin Blossoms yet. Okay, no. we got to put them on our list. This is the album New Miserable Experience, and it actually had four uh, singles that were big hit. Mm. The, the first one was Hey Jealousy. Yeah. yeah. Made it up into the top 25 and went gold. And this is Found Out About You, and it reached number Love 25. This
3: song. Love it.
0: Yep. The Miserable Experience album is a quadruple platinum album now.
3: Where are these guys from, Russ?
0: For me, well, they're actually from uh, uh, Tempe, Arizona, okay. and they were formed in 1987. Okay. They were formed, one of their founding members, uh, Doug Hopkins, was lead guitarist. What you're listening to here at this time was uh, Jesse Valenzuela, lead vocals and guitar, Robin Wilson, lead vocals and guitar, backing vocals. Scotty Johnson was lead guitar, Bill Lean bass guitar, and Philip Rhodes on drums. This is interesting. The song was originally written for their 1989 album, Dusted. It was written by Doug Hopkins, and as I said, he's one of the founding members, and he had a big time struggle with alcohol and depression, and the record label, A&M, ended up firing him from the band, and they had him turn over his rights to half the royalties, Oh, wow. The $15,000 they owed him and said, see ya.
2: Don't uh, want to be ya.
0: He was replaced with Scott Johnson. That's who you hear here. And sadly, uh, Hopkins shot himself in oh, um, 1993 before this song made it to the charts. Mm. Oh. He did have a gold. He got a gold record for Hey Jealousy, which he wrote also, but he wasn't in the band and he had it. I read that he had it up for two weeks, and then he just, in a fit of rage, just tore it all down, and then he uh, ended up shooting himself. This band uh, has an interesting sound. It's alternative rock, but there's a term called jangle pop.
1: I was thinking when you said that jangle was the word that I was thinking of.
0: So jangle pop came out of the birds lyrics uh, from Mr. Tambourine Man, in the jingle jangle morning I'll come following you. Mm And in the 1980s, a lot of prominent bands like R.E.M. and the Smiths had the same kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And that's where you heard jangle pop, and it was also sometimes referred to as college rock. So the name, this is kind of interesting, uh, came from a photo of W.C. Fields in a book about Hollywood called Hollywood Babylon, and it said, W.C. Fields with gin blossoms. That was his skin condition, his nose, big nose, and oh. he had those Well,
2: the spots. idea is if uh-huh. you drank a lot, yeah. you would start getting these red noses and exactly. red cheeks. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And it was really prominent in the 1800s in in, in Britain yep. because people were drinking really bad gin. It was awful gin. Yep. I don't know. Gin still hasn't gotten any better. I bet you
1: W.C. Fields <laughs> put, put his share of gin back. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, this video is really cool very 90s it had a lot of sepia tones in it high contrast mm-hmm. really cool video and to me this is essential 90s music i love this yeah
1: yeah i can see yeah. that
0: i love the vocals and the guitar work it's pretty cool so good yeah this is a great pick nice Vic. yep hope you enjoyed thank that, you rob one. sure thank did you, now we're going to bring it all back around to Wayne. And what do you got for us, Wayne?
2: Well, I got Primal Scream Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did until someone else had it, too. Did not realize. I did not check the, the database when I I You're thought I'd, be, I thought I'd put it on there.
3: We're not going to be disappointed yeah. with this one, though. No, do. we won't. Yeah. This is a good one.
2: But, guys, this is Because the Night, 10,000 Maniacs. Yes. And some of you older folks out there might remember the name Patty Smith, and she first performed this at CBGB's back in the late '70s. And she did the song in 1978. It was written by Bruce Springsteen, and it went to number 13 at the time with her performing it. Bruce Springsteen also performed it on his version on Darkness on the Edge of Town.
0: I don't know that I've heard that one before. Oh, I
2: have. But a lot of people, obviously, the one that uh, Fatty Smith did was was obviously a lot more popular.
0: This is just a really... Great. Her voice is. Just, I was thinking man. the
1: same. Natalie Merchant's voice is just fantastic. And this is MTV Unplugged, right? Yeah,
2: yes. this, this track was played on MTV Unplugged. This I was saw one this one episode. Yeah. This is really and, good. Uh, it was 10,000 Maniacs at the time, and uh, it ended up reaching the number 11 on the top 100 charts. But Natalie Merchant left after recording this from the band. So she wasn't part of the release or anything or singing it. I actually had to bring a, a replacement to sing for her. Her name was Mary Ramsey, and she actually sung yes. for several years until, you know, they came back. But Natalie Merchant went on to have a successful solo career, Yeah, yeah.
1: Her album, Tiger Lily, from 95, is just an amazing album. Yes, yeah.
0: This reminds me a little bit of being in Buckhead. Remember all the yuppies, the, Guys yep. wearing their suspenders and stuff, which is funny to be listening to something alternative like this, but I remember that going on back then. Hmm. 94, 1994.
2: Also, music of April of 1994, Adam Harvich from the Beastie Boys is sentenced to 200 hours of community service for attacking a television cameraman during funeral services for River Phoenix. That, ha- <laughs> that, that happened in November ninety three. so he's sentenced at that time. And wow. older rock star, Grace Slick, from Jefferson yep. Airplane, pleads guilty for pointing a shotgun at police officers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not really a good thing to do.
2: And we talked about the Fillmore uh, West. If you recall, the, the we had an album out you know, with Allman Brothers on the, the Fillmore East. East that's yeah. right. It actually reopened. And guess who opened up the first one? The Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> oh, wow. We kind of come back to that. Yes, we do. Some of the albums that came out, I don't know who the group is, but Rodan. I just like that name. <laughs> had, the Offspring had their great album. We're probably going to cover that one called Smash, so uh, eventually we'll get to that one. Another one, Live, Throwing Copper. This is another one that oh, we'll probably that, come back with. Live,
0: Throwing Copper was a great yeah. album.
2: The Smithereens, Blur had a, had their album out, Superchunk, Leon Redbone, Boss Gads. talking about an older one. Oh, yeah. Good pick, yeah, solid.
1: All right, I'm glad you picked that one. I love those.
0: I love those, <laughs> I love those uh, MTV Thanks. unplugged sessions. sessions. Those a were two. great. I wish they would do more of that yeah. instead of what they're playing currently on MTV. Mm. I guess we're gonna bring it all around back to an instrumental, and this is an instrumental pick from a movie called Bad Girls.
2: Bad Girls. What you gonna do? That's a Donna Summer, summer hit, do? isn't it? <laughs> bad, bad
3: Girls, talking about bad girls. That's that's Donna yeah. Summer.
2: Well, this was a Western movie. Oh, had Madeline Stowe in it, Andy McDowell, and Drew Barrymore.
0: Music composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. There you have it.
2: Yep. There was a lot of movies out at this time, but none of them were really that good. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I remember a couple of them. I remember No Escape with Ray Liotta. He was yeah. he was on a on a committed a crime and got stuck on an island and had to try to escape. And there's thought that was
1: escape from New York. <laughs> or <is laughs> that a different. That's a different yeah. different genre. Yes.
2: With honors with Brendan Fraser and Joe Pesci, it was a comedy drama film. So, yeah. I don't Brendan Fraser that.
1: was kind of big at the time.
2: Yeah. You
0: better pick something quick. We're going to we're losing audiences. <laughs> They're starting to All
2: right, here's one. Chasers. It was a comedy film directed by Dennis Hopper uh, with Tom Berenger in it. And you know why I remember this one? It's the only movie I actually walked out of. About 30 <laughs> oh, minutes wow. in, I had a date and went to that, and we just looked at each other and we just going, you did enjoy this? Join is, this? Yeah. No. I, I think it was made for like $15 million and made like $900,000 at the box office.
3: It was that good, huh?
2: Yeah. Now, Chevy Chase had a movie with uh, Jack Palance, Cops and Robbersons.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that one.
2: And Eric Stoats and Ralph Macchio, Jill Claiborne, Tony Curtis, Timothy Dalton, Catherine Turner and Whoopi Goldberg were in a movie called Naked in New York, Another Flop. You'd think with all those names something yeah. would, would happen.
1: Somebody would have uh, would have been able to salvage that one.
2: I think um, Nicolas Cage was in those movies he just had to take because he was in Red Rock West, you know, some sort of thriller film with Dennis Hopper. I don't even remember that. But I think the big movie that came out then was Leprechaun, Le- Lepre- Leprechaun 2. <laughs> oh yeah even know. more leprechaun <laughs> and, and it, it fits of what we've been talking about it was a black comedy uh, slasher films i think the first one leprechaun was was uh, was like that well but, now
0: to our two listeners that yeah, remain yeah exactly <laughs> now that we've depressed everybody this whole episode <laughs> <laughs> you can
2: listen to april of 1994 we're what the riff i'm wayne
3: i'm ron i'm brian and i'm bruce
2: we'll see you guys next time Thanks for listening to
0: What The Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What The Riff?